Blog Talk Radio. Time now for the Gridiron Stud Show. Well, you can be all American. Actually, you know. actually, I can do it now. You can do it now? Yeah, I can do it. But I'm trying to focus on my position. With your host, Chad Wilson. They hate no me on Chad. You know, yeah, I got to be something in the mix. Bringing you high school, college, and NFL talk. I don't rap a discipline. Me up. You all need more discipline. True discipline. Come on, get a grip. Call us on the show today. Don't get out of my face with that crazy stuff. The number to call, 347-633-9365. If y'all got to take, y'all know that. Or you can reach us on Twitter, at Gridiron Stud. And now, your host, Chad edition of the Gridiron Stud Show, and Wednesday nights are recruiting nights, so we're going to have a roundtable of college football recruiting reporters checking in with us, Andrew Spivey from Gator Country, Woody Womack from Rivals, Ryan Bartow from 247 Sports, Greg Biggins going to join us from Scout.com to talk some West Coast recruiting, and uh, we're also going to have Corey Bender on. And he's going to have a full plate because he covers primarily the University of Miami. And uh, there's been a whole lot going on there with the University of Miami as it goes from the uh, 58 to nothing trashing to uh, the loss of Al Golden to the now search for the new coach, uh, which is what we're going to talk about here in the first 15 minutes. Uh, I've been after my next guest for quite some time, and I just I just was lucky enough to secure him. Uh, he's one of the best uh, Canes reporters that we have out there, and uh, he's uh, from he's from the Palm Beach Post, and he's Matty Ports. Uh, I mean, I, uh, I I I should be I sh- I should count my blessings getting you on the line here, Matt. <laughs> yeah, it's been a little crazy, uh, you know, for the for the listeners. This really kind of came together pretty quick. I I've been all over the place, uh, as, you, as you might imagine, and I just kind of replied to one of your DMs, and I'm like, all right, listen, I'm I'm driving right now. I just saw this. <laughs> Let's do this. So, yeah, I know. I've, uh, I've been basically stalking you, and, uh, I mean, that's a credit to you because, you know, I really like your reporting on the Miami Hurricanes, and I'm not a whole bunch of reporters that I like out there, to be honest with you, and this comes from a broadcasting major 
when I started off in in college and someone who wrote for the Miami Hurricane newspaper when he was on the football team. I've just not been sure. all that happy with the way journalism has gone over the years, but you're one of the guys that does it right. And uh, also a guy in the know. So let's jump right into it. Um, you know, there's the coaching searches on uh, the news today is that Jimmy Johnson is going to join into the search. And then I heard a little rumor that, um, and you can confirm, deny, add anything to this, subtract from it. There's a push going on for a Butch Davis with a Mario Cristobal coach in waiting. How about that? Have you heard that anywhere? What can you tell us on that? Yeah, I think that's one option that people are kicking around. And, you know, the, the coaching search at, at any school is always just a mess of, you know, whispers and rumors and unsourced information and I've heard this and you really just kind of have to take it all with a grain of salt until somebody, you know, puts someone's name to something, you know, says, hey, Blake James told me this, which, you know, side note, he's not really going to say very much for, I would imagine, two of months because he doesn't have to. Um, right. But, you know, I, I, I think you're referencing uh, the Barry Jackson report about Jimmy Johnson um, I hadn't heard that, but it certainly makes sense. You know, uh, JJ's a guy that, that wants to be involved in this. He's expressed his interest in the Hurricanes and, and kind of helping them find the right direction. Um, but as far as, you know, Mario and Butch, I think that's something that makes sense. I I, I, I can't say I've, I've had anyone that I trust tell me that it's the thing that they're really looking at that they think could happen, but I mm-hmm. do think that that does make a lot of sense. Um, you know, Mario Cristobal is the coach in waiting with Butch Davis as the coach. I just still don't know if they're even going to consider Butch, and I know that's a, probably something that you'd want to bring up too, and obviously he's such a, a name that people, you know, are interested in, and he has a dedicated following of people that want him back, but I don't know how strongly they're, they're going to consider him. Um, is and, and the reasons for that would be what exactly? Well, I think a few things. One, you know, you have to remember, as much as we want to talk about the, the quote-unquote cloud going away, it wasn't mm-hmm. that long ago that Miami was under the national spotlight for all the wrong reasons again. Um, mm-hmm. And you bring in Butch Davis, and, you know, for, for any like any school cares about its image, right? You bring in Butch Davis, yep. and, you know, they're going to have to work really hard to make sure that they can sell Butch Davis as somebody who – continues with that image that they've tried so hard to, to, to burnish and, and, to, and to turn around. Um, mm-hmm. There are a lot of people out there that think Butch is dirty. And, you know, mm-hmm. it doesn't help that he's, that he's going to be 64 soon. Um, you know, that certainly doesn't help. Um, you know, it doesn't help some people that he left for the NFL way back when, although that's a long time ago, and people understand that coaches mm-hmm. have ambitions and stuff. So I think really, you know, he's not a coach that they can just take on without – you know, really doing some hard legwork and, and, you know, really get a lot of stuff behind to back him up if they were going to go in that direction. You know, um, and you know, listen, if if for somehow, some kind of way, anyone in administration at the University of Miami is listening to this, I would tell you to cover your ears. But for hardcore fans that just want to see the Canes get back to where they were, there are a couple of things that, that kind of coincide with victories on the field and national championships. Um, some kind of NCAA trouble um, and, and you know, um, the controversy, um, which, which that, would be what, that would probably be what you get with Butch Davis. So 
Um, I, yeah. I I don't know if that's really the the worst thing that could happen. It's just when, we've been choir boys. They've wanted to clean things up. They've gotten things cleaned up at the University of Miami, and it's resulted in uh, the mess that we yeah, have exactly. now and banners being flown overhead, <laughs> yeah. 58 nothing games versus Clemson. So uh, sure. how about a little controversy? Yeah, no, and I think, you know, and it, it, this is such a – we live in this world now where any kind of – you know, any kind of radical comment or or any kind of any kind of real, you know, I don't want to call it real talk because you know, but I think you know what I mean. If if somebody's going to speak their mind and speak loose, you know, that is instantly dissected. Uh, it's put on Sports Center right away. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I, I think you know we live in and things just aren't that way anymore that, that, that they used to be at the University of Miami where people would would talk trash, would speak their minds, would, you know, mm. be, they would embody that swagger that everybody down here loves so much and it's so intoxicating. You know, people love that, mm. but, mm-hmm. you know, it's not a world that's friendly to that anymore. So I, I think that, you know, you're really never going to, I think if people were speaking their minds, they'd say, Hell yeah, Miami needs to get back to being criminals. You know, I think people would say things like that, but nobody can. Yeah, I know. Can Probably really say not. That. Yeah, not not very political, po- politically correct. But uh, I'm I'm sure you know probably a lot of former players are thinking that we need to get our swagger back. That means you know 15 yard penalties. That means all that kind of stuff sure. that maybe the administration doesn't want to hear. But you know I think we would like a coach to come in here and defend the players who want to be passionate, who want to bring some of that back, even though now yes. there's more legislation against it than there I, was in the old days. Yes, I'll I'll, I'll jump in and say this. Um, after five, you know, four plus years, going on five years of Al Golden, I think they will move in a little bit of a different direction. I'd be surprised if they took on not only another coach with his, you know, kind of background, you know, like a like a mid major success story, but I'd also mm-hmm. be surprised if they went with anybody that, you know, <laughs> anybody that that was, uh, how do I put this? Somebody with the shirt and tie sideline image. You know, I don't think they really, right. I don't think they really want that because I, I think everybody's kind of realized now that. You know, we don't need to 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 be behold, so beholden to the past that we're trying to live up to that every with everything mm-hmm. we do. You know, you have to push it forward. Mm-hmm. But I think that right. Al was such a departure from that that I think that they right. will try to get back to that at least a little bit. Yeah, he was the complete opposite. I guess it was something you wanted to try, and you found out um, that it it absolutely doesn't work. I don't know how far back into the past you want to dig, but uh, you know. The button up and the tie and all that for a town where there's beaches and flip flops. We're too laid back down here for that, and so um, no you know we're gonna have to some kind of way reach back into the past. I'm not one who's really in favor of Butch Davis if he's gonna come alone. Now the only reason I'm I'm intrigued by that is that you have Mario Cristobal in waiting because I don't think we're gonna get more than three four years out of a Butch Davis. I'm really I'm radically against any coach that's near retirement age because. Um, you relax too much. I really liked when yeah. the University of Miami had coaches that wanted to come here and then go to the go to the NFL. I'm okay with that. Sure. Come in here with your hair on fire, accomplish uh, as much as you can, bring us to the top, then grab an NFL job, bring someone else in that wants to do the same thing and just keep the baton rolling. We're not in Nebraska where someone's going to come here and coach for 20 years. We're not that. Uh, would you agree or disagree yep. with that? No, I definitely would agree with that. I think that's what's that's how Miami has always succeeded, and, and everybody talks about 
you know, how can Miami, you know, it, it, times have changed. How can Miami be as great as it once was? You know, it's not that world anymore. But it, it is that world in the sense that if you do get that coach that is just here, you know, for three, four years and wants to do as well as they possibly can because they're trying to burnish their image. I mean, heck, that's what South Florida is all about in summer, guys. I mean, I'm, I'm a transplant. I'm from Boston. I came down here mm-hmm. for work. I mean, I, I love it now. I would, I, I would probably stay here for quite some time. Um, but there was a, a certain point in my life where I'm thinking, yeah, I'm going to do as well as I can and, and you know, go on to bigger and better things. I, my mentality's mm-hmm. changed mm-hmm. a little bit, but I think in coaching it's kind of the same way. I mean, you, right. you, you want that. You want that passion. And if Butch, listen, if Butch Davis has that, it, you know, he says he has the energy. He, you know, you, you probably heard him on the radio. I've talked to him a bunch of times. He has all the mm-hmm. talking points of, of, of how he wants to present himself. He's presenting himself as somebody with energy. You know, then I think he could be the right guy. But I, I do think, you know, as we've seen with all kinds of coaches, I'm thinking about Frank Beamer, you know, Virginia Tech, mm-hmm. is, you know, currently, you know, it gets mm-hmm. really messy at the end. And if Butch Davis comes on now, this is probably going to be his last job. Yo, no, no doubt about it. I can't see him hopping from this to, to, to anything else. Are there any names out there that are not getting thrown around as much that that we could call intriguing? Anything out there that might make anyone listening right now raise their eyebrows? Um, you know, there's so many names you get thrown out. You know, as we mentioned at the top, the coaching search has always happened. Um, I, yeah, I like the Rock. Things, you know, like, <laughs> you know, like the Rock and Ed Reed and. You know, Ken Dorsey right. would be, you know, not a not a head coach, but um, you know, he'd be an intriguing name. I'm I'm mostly intrigued because when you, there there's a list of like, you know, everybody's got their list, and the lists are usually 15 candidates long. I'm mostly intrigued mm. by who is Miami going to bring back as a, as a you know on staff. You know, like if you bring say a, a Rob Chavitsky back as head coach, who I think is a very interesting name. Who is he going to bring with him? Is he going to bring Ken Dorsey back as the quarterback's coach, offensive coordinator? Um, is he going to bring, you know, I don't know, Ray Lewis as a linebacker's coach? I mean, who knows? So I think Miami right. is the only school that can that can do that, um, you know, that has that, that sort of star power that it can call on in, in times like this. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, who exactly brings who back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, the staff is ultra, ultra important. Uh, I mean, you need a head guy, but uh... – you know, ultimately down here, the best thing you can sell is the development of players into NFL players because we're not going to be able to keep up with the with the you know the facilities at Alabama and Oregon and Texas and all of these um, playgrounds as you call them. We're just not going to be able to keep up with that. So the the biggest and best thing sure. that we can have going here is is selling the whole NFL thing. Let's jump into the whole interim coach deal. Um, yeah. One of the things I heard. When Al Golden was fired, is or was they were thinking about firing him? Um, was who who would be the interim coach? And so the decision mm-hmm. became Larry Scott. But some some may ask, why not Mark D'Onofrio? Why not Hurley Brown? Uh, you know, why not one of those? Could you talk on that a little bit? Yeah, well, I think it's pretty simple. Um, you know, and I was one of the ones that I looked at, at Al Golden's staff, and I, you know, after the Cincinnati game, I'm, I'm thinking, okay, this is probably not going to go well if, if he's losing to Cincinnati. So I'm thinking, mm-hmm. okay, if they do make a move in season, who's it going to be? And none of the, really none of the candidates stuck out to me as a as an obvious choice. So I was surprised when Larry Scott was named interim coach, but that's only because anybody really would have been like, you'd kind of scratch your head and say, okay, well, why? 
But I think really what it comes down to is, is he's, he's got a lot of, of love from those players. Um, you know, he was active in a lot of their recruitments. He was, you know, maybe not the main recruiter for some, but they'd always kind of bring Larry around. And the players that he did recruit, you know, they, they universally loved him. Mark D'Onofrio is a little bit more polarizing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he, he's not a Florida guy. Larry Scott's, you know, from Sebring, and, and he spent a lot of time in Tampa, and he's recruited Dave forever. You know, Mark D'Onofrio mm-hmm. seemed, more of an Al, seemed like more of an Al Golden kind of outsider type. So, and mm-hmm. he yells more. I mean, Scott's more of a player's guy. I think really, you know, you got to remember when you, you know, and you know this obviously, you know, head coach is mm-hmm. such a huge presence in a player's life. I mean, you know, they're, if right. they're not like a father figure, there's something close. And, you know, to lose to lose that guy, you know, in your life every day, you know, it's, it's going to take a toll on a player. I mean, we can criticize players for, you know, being soft in this regard, and I've seen it all over the place on Twitter, you know, why can't they just get over it? But it is a, mm-hmm. you know, it is a big deal. And so I think they wanted right. to bring in, you know, they wanted to give somebody the, uh, you know, the job who's going to be, who's going to be their friend and going to be the player's coach and, and you know, try to get their, their heads right and steered in the right direction. Yeah, um and 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 listen, it's that's obviously the best way to go um because you don't want any kind of turmoil or disruption. Perhaps having D'Onofrio as the head guy would be the same as having Al, for, you know, for all we know, he'd be talking on the phone with Al and it would still be Al's team some kind of way. So maybe there was yeah. that thought of of that. And then it's right. and um you look Dan Campbell's done good things for tight ends being turned head coaches. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah, no I mean, if uh, yeah, if they were trying to follow that formula, do you think at all um, my, uh, the Dolphins going out and and beating the pants off of the Houston Texans on Sunday afternoon uh, may have played any part in the, the decision that came down later that evening with Al Golden being gone? Because we do question. remember the words I, of Blake I, James. Yeah, it's a great question, and and I, you know, that that conference call with Blake James was a very quick and you know you kind of just wanted to get all the facts out there, mm-hmm. um, you know, type of type of deal. You know, we couldn't really didn't really have a chance to ask him too much that was off topic. So I would love to ask him that question. Um, I'm not sure mm-hmm. if he if he would you know say yes or no, but I mean, damn, like look at what what Miami's done with the change in leadership that you know brings. You know, I mean, what Dan Campbell's brought in, in the in the way of passion and just getting these players to play with this aggressive mentality, um, you know, it, it just shows you what the right coach can do, and, and obviously that's working for them. So I, I think that maybe, you know, there's a chance it pushed them. Um, I never, th- I don't think he'd admit that, but I think it's certainly possible. Maybe it'll come out in uh, the book he writes years after this. Right. Um, maybe he'll be, maybe he'll admit it at that point. Matt, as someone who's been around the team, maybe maybe you can give us an answer to this. Maybe you can give a, an answer for you know what what you feel, what you felt with the team there. Obviously, Clemson's not 58 points better than the University of Miami, nor are they 28 points better than the University of Miami. So, what, in your best guess, happened on that field Saturday? Oh man, you know, I, I, I got to be honest with you. I've I've been doing so much that I haven't even I haven't even gone back and looked at the at the tape. You know, it's just like one of those ones. That I don't think the answers are on the tape, though, Matt. I don't think it's an X's and no, O's thing. No, no, you're think right. It's a mental thing. Mm-hmm. No, no, you're totally right, and that's and that's what I was getting to. It's like I, I just think they quit. I, I think that you know, the 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 problem. You know, going into that game, I saw that. Clemson defensive line was just so much better. 
in Miami's offensive line. And I think once they started to lose the battle in the trenches, I just think that everybody saw, man, this team is so much better in that regard. There's no way we're moving the ball. Um, you know, Clemson obviously came and fired up. They don't lose to unranked opponents anymore. They want to prove that again and again and again. Mm-hmm. And I, I just think that's what happened. And I think eventually, you know, well, not, not even eventually, quickly, uh, Miami's mm-hmm. will broke. I, I think it was definitely a question of they just they just lost it. And Larry Scott spoke to that today. Um, you know, he mm-hmm. said, you know, we know we're we know we're not that team. We know we're not, you know, we we know we need to play harder than that. And uh, I think mm-hmm. it was just kind of admitting the obvious. Mm-hmm. That I, I think they quit. Yeah, yeah, which is a tough thing to say, to admit, to talk about. But you know, you have to kind of call things the way that they are. Well, last thing before you go, yeah. Matt. Uh, and then Matt Porter from the Palm Beach Post joins us here on the Gridiron Stud Show. Last thing before you go, uh, who's making this decision on the next coach? Will it be Board of Trustees? Will it be Blake James? Or are we going to have the whole committee thing? And if there's a committee, what's your best guess on how many people are going to be on this committee? 12, 24, yeah, 42? That's, <laughs> that's, another, that's another great question. I, I, You know, to be honest, I don't have those answers right now. I'm, I'm trying to find out. Mm-hmm. Um, Blake, uh, Blake hasn't returned my calls. I've been able to make, make headway with some of the trustees, but people are keeping it pretty tight right now. Um, I do expect it to be Blake's call ultimately. And obviously this is the biggest hire of his career. You know, he's, I, I think he's hired a few coaches, but oh, it's his last, this is last hire at Miami. If it doesn't work, there's no doubt about that. Yeah, no, no question. And, and this being his most high profile job, this is definitely his most high profile hire. Um, he's got to get it right, and obviously we don't need to remind the listeners, I mean, Miami needs to get it right, you know, after having three coaches that just didn't work out, um, you know, in the last decade. Uh, Miami needs to get to be relevant again, and I think the college football world needs Miami to be relevant again, and if, you know, if Blake messes this one up, then he's definitely not going to be employed that much longer. So I, I think it will ultimately be his call, but I would expect certain trustees to, you know, get in the mix there. Um, some of the senior trustees have been, you know, involved in past coaching searches. Maybe it's them or maybe it's somebody new that, you know, people want to listen to at this point. Um, I don't think the president will have a whole lot of involvement because he doesn't seem like the type, to me anyway, that, you know, has hard opinions on this sort of stuff. I think he trusts the, the people in place. But who knows, maybe this is where he steps up. Um, it's going to be a fascinating thing. And, and as I dig into it this week, I, I can't wait to report stuff on it. Oh yeah, and I can't I can't wait to read whatever information you're able to dig up. I know it's going to be a busy week for you, uh, and this is going to be a real as the world turns situation because I'm uh, I'm on record as saying uh, we miss on this hire here, and it could be a real death blow for the program. We're just too far removed from the glory days, and you know how the fan base is down here. So, hey man, I appreciate you uh, uh, answering the call for me. I know how busy you are. Appreciate you coming on. Definitely. Thanks for having me. We'll talk soon. All right, thanks. That's Matt Porter from the Palm Beach Post. Uh, one of the Miami Hurricanes beat reporters does a really great job reporting on the Miami Hurricanes, and uh, really a pleasure to have him on. All right, this is where I normally go to a break, but uh, we're running a little long here, so I'm going to jump right on with uh, my first guest here on the recruiting roundtable, and that's Andrew Spivey from Gator Country. Spivey, how you doing? I'm doing good. I- I'm voting for you to be the next head coach at Miami. Oh, man, you know, if they're going to throw the rock and the ibis and everyone else in there, why not? Throw my name in on the open ballot. Um, There's just so many names flying around. Uh, Tell me real quick before we jump into recruiting, what was going through your mind when you saw the score 28-0, 35-0, 42-0 in the first half of the University of Miami football game? 
it reminded me of Florida, Missouri last year when Mustard yeah, lost. Yeah, that's what game. came to my mind. And I said, no way does this golden rebound from this. Uh, it, it, the players, um, as Matt said just a second ago, they kind of quit. And I think you can speak as well that that Florida, Missouri game was the same way. It just looked like the guys, I don't want to say quit because I don't think they ever quit, but just kind of gave mm-hmm. up. Like, it's, it's mm-hmm. it, that's it. And that's where it reminded me. Yeah, uh, it was eerily sim- I was in the stadium for the Florida-Missouri game, and it looked eerily similar. Um, and, you know, I was like, man, here we go again. So um, I made my way out at 35 nut and couldn't sit there and watch that. So um, I had to make my way out of there. But let's talk Florida Gators recruiting because that's what we're here for. Um, it's an, another big week coming up, another week, another big game, uh, and Florida's trying to make their way through this really heavy part of their schedule. Uh, I know it's it, – this is one of those weird games where you're going to a neutral site. It's not a home game for either team. So you, we're not going to be talking about a big attendance of recruits because if you're a recruit trying to go to this game, um, you gotta you got to pony up for the ticket. So is there anyone coming to the game? And if they are, I guess that speaks to uh, – that would speak – that would bode well if you got a recruit coming out of pocket to go to this game. Yeah, uh, the biggest one, and it's not even a, a big one anymore really, is Antonius Coit the defensive end out of Dooley County, uh, who committed to Florida today. Uh, his uncle bought tickets to bring the two of them down to Jacksonville. So uh, that's really the only guy that has exactly said for sure he's going to be there 100%. Uh, you know how it is. It, guys make up their mind Saturday morning to go and go. But, um, yeah, so far the, the Clayton news is the uh, only one that has really said he's going. And uh, I like the way this works out. I, I think that – it's a good rivalry not to have recruits there. I actually like it. Uh, I know some people will disagree with me, but I, I like not hosting recruits on uh, neutral side games like Jacksonville. Yeah, uh, and I, you know, I'd kind of uh, agree with that to a certain to a certain degree. It's always good, especially when your team um, wins or you do something like you did against uh, Ole Miss and Tennessee to to have all the guys you really wanted there. There's no doubt about that. But um, I kind of agree with your statement on that there. Let's let's talk. Um, about what's coming in. And the most intriguing position, I wouldn't say it's the position of the biggest need with the way guys have performed, Brandon Powell and Antonio uh, Antonio uh, Callaway. Uh, but what what about wide receiver recruiting for 2016? There's a bunch of names there, Spivey. Can't take them all. So what's it kind of shaping up like? How many guys can they take and who would be leading for those spots in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, they say they want six. That kind of is the number that recruits are, are being told right now. Uh, Michael is going to just kind of, um, I guess you start over at the receiver position uh, outside of a couple mm-hmm. names. And, uh, you know, you look at the four commits now. you got Josh Hammond, uh, you have Freddie Swain, Isaiah Johnson, and Rick Wells. Uh, those are the four names that are in. You know, I, I think that maybe one of those guys sees a packed class and maybe moves on. Uh, but the big mm-hmm. names that are looking to fill in this class right now are, are Nate Craig Myers, who is that big receiver uh, McElwain mm-hmm. wants, uh, Eli Stowe that's committed to Auburn, and then Trey Nixon, mm-hmm. a speedster from uh, from Vieira. He's another guy that's there. And then you can't forget Sam Bruce, who's committed to Miami. Um, so there's about four names right there that are kind of vying for two spots, maybe three spots if someone moves out. And then Florida kind of threw a uh, wild card at everyone last night when they go out and offer a JUCO athlete in Dre Macy, uh, who's a 4-3 guy, who they're calling an athlete, but he plays receiver mm. in JUCO ball. So uh, kind of mm. a curveball out there with it. Um, 
I think that he'll take six, and I, I think that maybe one or two out of the class maybe moves on, and then they go get Nate Craig Myers. And I'm going to say with Eli Stove is the other guy to get in the class. Yeah, um, it's you know that's that's going to get interesting because there may be some guys that are pretty damn good receivers that want to get into this thing and it might it might fill up there uh, for the University of Florida. So it'd be interesting to see if they do exceed that number. What happens there? Do other guys fall off? Uh, and there's some pretty good names on there. So let's talk about some areas of need. It would sound crazy to be saying this that you need DBs at DBU because of you know all of the hype and the names that are back there but the truth of the matter is that the numbers are low now and they're going to get significantly lower at the end of this season so give us an update on what's going on with defensive back recruiting for the University of Florida yeah I mean you really only have three DBs returning next year and that's Quincy Wilson Jalen Tabor and Chris Williamson that's really your three cornerbacks uh, and then you have a couple of safeties there. So they're really trying to get five DBs in this class. Uh, right now they have Chauncey Gardner, who's kind of that lead man in the pack. Javon Myers is another cornerback who's a long athletic corner. Then you have a, a athletic corner who's really good in man coverage, Aaron Robinson from Deerfield Beach. Then you go look at the two safeties they have right now in Quincy Litton and Jawan Taylor. Uh, those are the two guys mm-hmm. they have there now. Then they have a guy that can kind of play both safety and corner in C.J. McWilliams. Uh, it does look like that he may stick at home in Miami. Uh, he wants to stay closer to home. So right now I think Florida would like to have one more DB in the class, but they're really mm-hmm. doing a good job, though. With a guy like Gardner uh, my, and Javon Myers, both of those guys can play early at Florida. And then Juwan Taylor, a safety out of Alabama, is a guy that could potentially play early. So I think they fill the need there so far. Uh, I, they just need some guys that are capable of coming in and contributing next year. Maybe not start, uh, just contribute mm-hmm. next year. And I think Gardner and Myers are two guys that can do that. All right, last last question and last position uh, of need we're going to be able to talk about tonight. And that's linebacker. You know, there have been some situations here where uh, Florida's had to use DBs at the linebacker position when they really wanted to use linebackers. I think that's kind of what happened uh, at LSU. So what's going on with linebackers uh, for 2016 at Florida? I thought we were just getting rid of the position after a couple of years of football. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, right? Uh, the, um, it's a position that is kind of down this year for recruiting, uh, but Randy Shannon is kind of a mastermind in that position of recruiting. Uh, got a really good one in Voshan Joseph down at Miami, New Orleans. Uh, got a really good one in Jeremiah Moon from Hoover, Alabama. And then they're going uh, after a early enrollee in Michigan. David Reese is a guy, uh, 6'1", 238. Uh, Michigan doesn't have a spot for him to early enroll. Uh, Florida and Texas both told him he can enroll early. So it's going to come down to those two schools right now. Really likes Randy Shannon, so that would be a huge pickup. And then probably the wild card right now is, is a five-star in Mac Wilson, a uh, 6'2", 240-pound linebacker from Montgomery, Alabama. Florida's going into enemy territory in Alabama, and it, it has been named the leader by Mac Wilson, but we'll see what happens when Alabama turns the heat on. Uh, they want three linebackers in the class, so it's a must to get either Reese or Mac Wilson come February uh, to get this depth kind of back up. They still are really going to be behind the eight ball even next year with three linebackers in this class. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, I think anytime you get in a kid with the uh, last name Wilson, you got to be going the right way. What do you say there, Spot? <laughs> Definitely not a way. That would be a, uh, maybe a good pickup. But, you know, I thought Will Muschamp kind of went with the uh, no-linebacker approach. So I was kind of surprised to see that they recruit linebackers. 
Yeah, I know. Kind of, kind of hurting on that front. Well, we still got more to talk about, but we'll have to save it the next week, man. Andrew, appreciate you coming on. You got it. Talk to you soon. All right, that's Andrew Spivey from GatorCountry.com, and from Andrew Spivey, we're gonna head out to uh, this crazy guy, Woody Woe. How you doing, man? What you cooking? What you eating tonight? Yeah, well, I'm actually in in the Music City here in Nashville, so I was I was just actually thinking about how nice it would be if I had an uncle who could get me tickets to to games when I wanted. Wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> Hey, listen, I went to the LSU game. I went out to Baton Rouge to get some of that, you know, uh, some of that good old Southern comfort feeling, that down-home Southern stuff. And you know what they did? They put my back against the wall in section 638 up there at LSU Tiger Stadium. I could see all the way back to Florida from there, okay? And those tickets, as it said on my ticket, was $100. $100 to see ants on the field. It's amazing uh, what it costs to go to a college football game. But um, let's get into it here. Uh, you guys recently put out, and you guys meaning rivals, recently put out top impact freshmen. Talk to us about that list. Who are the top five guys that you had on there? And if you know you want to throw a little tidbit out there on, on a couple of them, I wouldn't be mad at you. <laughs> well, you know, that's that's the godfather's list, as you know, Mike Farrell. He calls all the shots around here. So he mm-hmm. uh, he gave us a quick glance at that list. I was surprised to see the guy from Virginia Tech on there. I don't I don't even know who that guy is, but uh, <laughs> you know, I'm down here in, I'm down here in SEC country. So, right. uh, you know, I, I can't – I don't know who he ended up putting number one. I think he's rolling it out as the week goes along. But a lot of big names on there. There was a lot of debate. We had a pretty heated uh, email thread about it. I, you know, mm. I'm always advocating for my guys down here and then thinking, you know, how about mm. some guys out west? Let's get some more Pac-12 mm. love, you know. I would like to – you think Josh Rosen's got to be pretty high, though. He hasn't been on it yet. Well, he's sure. Seven, so sure. look for him to pop up on there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, how about Josh Sweat, man? I mean, uh, ACL injury, coming in there and, and doing things for Florida State. Uh, that That's that's a pretty good uh, – you like to see that stuff, don't you? Well, it's amazing. I mean, you know, honestly, word was last year when he injured that that there was nerve damage. He might never be able to play again. I mean, there was all sorts of stuff like that going around. So he he comes out. I mean, he he really looks. I mean, he looks great. Honestly, watching him playing games, I think you know, figure he's still got another year till he's probably back to his original self. Uh, so I think he's going to be great. You know, he got there's a lot of clowning comparisons with him, and I kind of tell people just because they both have dreads doesn't mean that they're the same uh-huh. player, but uh, <laughs> that's a lazy, yeah. the lazy comparison, but he, you know, he's looking like it so far, so, you know, C.C. Jefferson also came in high, you know, he's, mm-hmm. he's outplayed Byron Cowart so far this year at the two five-star defensive ends that the Gators were pushing last year, so a uh, lot of lot of young talent around the country. Yeah, I have a sneaky suspicion Byron, at this moment, probably wishes he would have uh, taking the trip to Gainesville rather than the trip to Auburn, Alabama. But that I'll leave that alone. I'll sip my tea and look like a frog here as I say that. Uh, let's talk about Georgia and their quarterback position. It has not been what they expected it to be. Uh, help is on the way in the form of Jacob Eason, we believe. What can you tell us on the latest uh, of Jacob Eason recruiting and uh, heading to Georgia? Well, you know, there's always the room. It's amazing how these rumors start up with these quarterbacks. When, when do quarterbacks ever flip this late in the game? I mean, it's very doesn't rare. really happen. Yeah, right. So I expect Eason to end up there. I mean, you know, he he already stayed through one offensive coordinator change. So I can't see him mm-hmm. change his mind. And if I'm him, 
looking at the quarterbacks they have, I'm thinking I could be next year's Josh Rosen. I mean, they're talking, sure. you know, <laughs> sources, close, sources close to me are saying we might see another starting quarterback for Georgia this weekend. So uh, they're going to quarterback carousel there. So I think uh, I think he sticks with the dogs. I think he's going to have a chance to play early, and I think they need him because they need a quarterback to sell to some of these big-time wide receivers that we've seen leave the state to go to Tennessee or or even Florida, you know, they're they're one of their top receivers came uh, from South Georgia, so they got to keep that talent in state, and especially in the Atlanta area. Yeah, I don't know why he would leave that situation. The dogs are a perennial contender, and uh, as you said, with what's going on there right now, he does have a chance to play early. So I don't know who's starting these rumors. Um, you know, must be someone from Auburn, Alabama, or well, some some rival of uh, of of this SEC foe. Um, and so, yeah, it's probably in their best interest to get that big name and and hold on to him and keep him there, man. So we'll we'll have to leave it at that. Um, and and uh, do you have before I let you go? Do you have any inside info on who the next Canes uh, head coach is going to be? Is is the Rock or Ed Reed going to take the job? Boy, I don't know. You know, I, I was listening to Matt talk earlier. Hey, I, you know, I'm on Team Cristobal in terms of the guy I would like to see get the job. That's just he gets my endorsement. Of course, you know, I just signed a three year contract with Rivals, so my buyout's pretty heavy. So I'm. I'm officially removing my name from the mix, but Cristobal would be my guy. And I want to, uh, you know, as a UCF alum, I'd like to see uh, my boy Lane Kiffin land at uh, my alma mater. So those are my two Yeah, picks. you know, I think uh, I think that's going to be the topic for you and I next week is who's filling that UCF job because it is a bit of a hidden gem. I don't know if the UCF job is as big as Danny Cannell and Paul Feinbaum are trying to blow it up to be. I think they're just <laughs> trying to take a dump on the Hurricanes. But, yeah, I think we'll talk about that next week, man. Appreciate you coming on. Okay, sounds good. All right. Woody Womack from Rivals.com joining us here on the Gridiron Studs Show, UCF alum. They're also without a coach. We've got a bunch of – Got a bunch of schools with open uh, coaching positions there. And uh, I'm going to bring my next guest on who probably has some pretty good information on uh, who people want to see as the next head coach down at the University of Miami. And it's Ryan Barta from 247 Sports. Ryan, how you doing? It's like I just saw you or something. Chad, yeah, it's been two or three hours. So I, I made it through <laughs> uh, all six schools in South Broward today that's Got me at 20 for the week. Got about a dozen more to go, but uh, it's always good to be back down in paradise where the best talent in the country is. Yeah, before we jump into this University of Miami stuff, any nuggets you care to report to us from uh, from your travels today alone? Yeah, I mean, Devin Bush, I just left there not too long ago. I think Michigan uh, winds up getting him over Florida State, even though the dad played there. Florida State probably mm-hmm. will get Stanford Samuels, the four-star corner at Flanagan. Uh, Brian Burns told me Florida has caught up. He's four-star Dion that you're real familiar with, that American heritage. Florida is now tied with Georgia. I think Chris Rump's done a really good job connecting with him, so they've really trended up in the last week or so. Nick Eubanks, four-star tight end, I think one of the top tight ends in the country. He's still got Alabama on top. Florida batting number two. We'll do an official visit to Oregon November 7th. Um, saw Josh Hammond early this morning at Hollandale. Still solid with Florida. That's where he'll go. I think Georgia made their best try at him, but uh, he's going to be a Gator just like his brother was. 
and and shoot, it's been a productive day. Saw some good kids at Chaminade, Madonna. They're pretty loaded in the young classes. Looks like they'll have a renaissance going there. And um, so got all over the place in South Broward today. Yeah, um, tell us a little more. Uh, tell us a little more. First of all, I, yeah, look, so much just from that. We might not even get to this Miami thing. Nice little nuggets you dropped me there. You kind of got me at a loss for words. And that, you know, ask my wife, that doesn't happen very often. Okay, <laughs> why does... Why does the University of Michigan get a Devin Bush? Tell us how that happened. One, um, they took his two teammates, the safeties, who uh, are, are good ball players, but so they have the, the connection there. Two, Jim Harbaugh effect. When Harbaugh got that job, they were going to get national recruits all over. They got a couple from Prattville, Alabama. They got, obviously, guys in Jersey. They're killing that state. They might get Sean Gary, the top recruit in the country. Kareem Walker is trending their way, one of the top running backs in the country. If they got those guys, that would give them five of the top seven in Jersey this cycle, which is the seventh best state in the country for talent in producing D1s per year. And they've also came down to that satellite camp in South Florida, made a priority with D.J. Durkin leading the way in South Florida. So, mm-hmm. um and, and they already have four commits from South Florida, and, and they're on deck to potentially get two more in the month of December. So I think um, the Harbaugh effect, kids want to play with a guy that knows how to win, knows how to get him to the league because he's done both at a high level. Let me throw a rumor at you, Ryan. Um, and yeah. it's been out there and it's been around there, and I've heard it enough so I could bring it to you live here on the air. It's uh, People feel like Bush Sr. could be someone heading to – Ann Arbor as a coach in some capacity. Have you heard that? What can you tell us about that? Yeah, I've heard that plenty. I mean, he, he hasn't been on the record for that, too, but it definitely wouldn't surprise me if, uh, one, he had a role in, in that capacity going forward. Harbaugh hired Chris Partridge from Paramus Catholic this past offseason. That's hit big for him. Probably wants a guy with South Florida ties. And I know uh, Devin has, has coached his son for his whole life. And uh, mm-hmm. if he's not coaching there, he he could, you know, reside in Ann Arbor. Right, right. Uh, yeah, wouldn't wouldn't that be interesting, uh, heading up there in that cold? But I guess if Junior could do it, I guess Senior could do it. But I've I've heard that one out there quite a bit. All right, uh, let's let's get to this because this is going to be interesting and it's uh, it's it's on the hot topic of the times. Yeah. Um, You've been around. You've been talking to high school coaches here in South Florida. Everyone has an opinion on who they think the new next University of Miami coach should be. So what are the high school coaches saying down here about who should walk the sidelines over there at Sun Life Stadium for the next however many years we're talking about? Yeah, like I said, in in the last three days I've been through 20 high schools. I've done 14 in Dade, six in South Broward, got a couple more on deck. Probably 18 or 17 of the 20 high school coaches I've talked to have been all about Mario Cristobal in terms of fit, mm-hmm. in terms of sending their kids there, in terms of many reasons, you know, up-tempo offense, 4-3 Jimmy Johnson defense, the whole deal, making South Florida the priority, the number one reason why you take Miami is because mm-hmm. of the talent in your backyard. And so mm-hmm. the, the high school coaches, if they got to pick the next coach at Miami, it would be Mario Cristobal, and for all those reasons and more, and those guys went on the record, and that's something that we'll put out on 24-7, you know, in the next five, six days here. But, I mean, it's been overwhelming. I think I had one coach saying 
Greg Schiano. You heard Butch Davis's name a little bit, Charlie Strong a mm-hmm. little bit, but I mean mm-hmm. it's over eighty percent uh, in favor of Mario in terms of the high school coaches. And quite frankly, when I've talked to a lot of the top recruits in Dade and Broward and asked their prediction, their choice, it's been the mm-hmm. same answer. Really, Mario Cristobal. Um, give me give me an interesting name that's been put out there that uh, you know that's a, a possibility. Not you know we've heard a lot of nonsense around possibility. You know uh, people you know wanting the next guy to be the University of Miami coach and they've got nonsensical, but. An actual oh. possibility. Give me an interesting name that's been thrown out there. Yeah, I mean, Ed Reed, who's never coached ever, um, mm. put his name in there. And then uh, so some of these recruits that obviously look up to him, they've mentioned right. that. They've even mentioned guys on the current staff, Ice Harris, James Coley, mm. Larry Scott, just because they recruited him. But I think at the end of the day, the guys to watch for this job, obviously, are Cristobal, Butch Davis, um, Chetzinski, as well as Shiano. I think it'll be one of those four, and it's it's probably not going to get past any of them. Well, yeah, but never underestimate the administration to pull some guy out of nowhere uh, and drop him on you. So I always keep keep an eye open for a wild card, someone coaching in West Sweden somewhere. You never know. But uh, for now, I guess guess those are probably the names that make the most sense. I want to ask you about this one guy before I let you go here. Um, he's not at one of the marquee schools in Data Broward County, but he's a very exciting player. What can you tell us on the latest in recruiting for Keyshawn Young? Keyshawn Pie Young, got a great name. Yes. I mean, every time I see him, it reminds me of a, a Billy Joel song, Only the Good Pie Young. What a great young man <laughs> this go. guy is. <laughs> I mean, just he's got that 305 personality, always smiling, got great senior film, plays fast. Some like him as a receiver. Some like him upside as a corner. But um, mm-hmm. Michigan has made him I'm a here in Michigan for him, yeah. too, though. Yes. When, when I hinted, Chad, that they were going to get two commits in December, I mean, the, the guys I'm hinting at are, are Devin Bush and, and Keyshawn Payan. Now, he's going to go up wow. there, and he better pack his winter jacket when he watches the game against Ohio State for his official visit. I would not be surprised if he committed while he was up there. Wow. Um, but he's another guy, too, that I think he had early offers, Florida State, Alabama, a few others. For, for some reasons or another, some places filled up, some places cooled. Michigan never mm-hmm. did. They made him a priority. I think they lead huge in that situation. I'd be surprised if he wasn't on their commit board before Christmas. But he's another guy that, like a lot of guys that I saw this week, if Cristobal does get that Miami job, I think that's going to have a major effect in Broward and Dade in terms of a lot of kids flipping. That they're not in the, Miami's not in the top three right now, but would instantly move up given that hire. Yeah, uh, it, it, that'd be a big coup for Michigan if they were able to come down here and grab those two big names, a couple along with a couple of uh, other players down in this area to really get things started and going down here. And then you know what happens if they go up there and they get yeah. on the field and they start making plays. You know, Michigan could get a pipeline going. It's a departure from, I think it was about six or seven years ago. I was at the university, uh, I was at university school and a Michigan recruiter came there and I started talking to him about some names down in Dade County. He cut me off and said, coach, we don't recruit in Dade County. And I was, I was like, what? And he said, yeah, we don't, we we don't want to deal with the handlers and the uh, mentors. I was like, Oh, okay. And well, you know, that head coach is not there anymore. So how about that one? So, (laughs) 
Yeah, well, listen, man, I appreciate you. I know you're one of the hardest working guys in this business hitting all these schools, so I appreciate you taking the time out to come on and drop some information on us here at the Gridiron Stud Show. Anytime, Chad. Good seeing you today, and uh, keep it rolling, buddy. All right, thank you. Ryan Bartow from 247 Sports joining us here on the Gridiron Stud Show. Um, drop some interesting nuggets on there that, you know, uh, Devin Bush being strong to Michigan and Keyshawn Pai Young possibly being a, a commit at the Michigan Ohio State game. Uh, Brian Burns, uh, you know, telling him that Florida is now pulled even with Georgia in terms of getting his services and a couple of uh, other things. So, you know, if you if you missed this, you're going to want to hear the archive. All right, from Ryan Bartel, we're going to go to uh, scout.com's Corey Bender. There's a guy you're going to want to listen to today since. Uh, there isn't a whole lot going on around the University of Miami program right now, is there, Corey? Oh man, I mean, <laughs> all day. I think the whole last five days. Usually with me, I cover the whole entire state of Florida, but it feels like I'm just the Miami, uh, you know, Miami recruiting reporter this week. Man, it's just been crazy. But um, like you said, there's tons of news coming out of Coral Gables. Yeah, uh, obviously a number of these guys were in attendance because it was the number six team in the country coming down here to play the University of Miami. So it was. Quote, unquote, a big game um, if, the, if you're the University of Miami, not the way you wanted to perform in front of some of these guys. So um, let's let's talk some of these guys who witnessed the 58 nothing trashing and then uh, hear the announcement of the head coach recruiting them being gone. Let's, let's talk Sam Bruce. Let's separate fact from fiction. What's going on with him in terms of uh, being still going to the University of Miami? Yeah, he's a guy, like I said, I know Coach Kevin Beard. I mean, he's a kid that came out and said, you know, I don't commit to I'm, – I'm not committing to a coach. You know, I'm all about the school and the situation. But he even came out on Twitter. I mean, Coach Kevin Beard's the big, big part as far as his commitment to Miami. You know, if he ends up departing or, you know, with some of the new staff that comes in, I think that's obviously the most important thing to take note of. Um, right now, he told Bill Green uh, over at Ohio State like, that he will either go to Florida State or Alabama as well. Um, you know, he's definitely going to take Auburn and officials to Auburn and Florida at some point as well. Uh, but he's a guy that's always been open to taking all five official visits. But the main thing with him mm-hmm. is Coach Stephen Beard. I know they've built a great relationship over the past, you know, several years, named back to the South Florida Express and all that um, that you guys run down there in South Florida. But, um, I, I mean, he's still locked in with Miami. I think it's just a wait-and-see approach to see what the, how the new staff comes in, just that bond he can create. But, um, like I said, he's went on Twitter himself and said, you know, I'm not committing to a coach or anything like that. But, um, you know, Coach Kevin Beard, I mean, he's the main, main piece to keep a close eye on. Um, but, you know, as far as other schools, you know, Florida has the most momentum with him outside of Miami. Um, Ohio State, he went up there and loved it. Um, he just, he basically said he saw everything he had to see at Ohio State, and he doesn't really feel there's no reason to go back up there. He saw everything. But uh, it's a wait-and-see mm-hmm. wait approach with him. And Coach Kevin Beard, man, that's the one thing to keep a very close eye on, um, you know, between now and National Science Day. Uh, which is interesting. Um, it, it, is there anyone else that Kevin Beard is recruiting that is along those lines that feels that way uh, out of this class of 2016, or would Sam basically be it on that front? As far as the whole decision-making is really going to play a major factor in his decision, Sam's really the only one that's you know has that real, real – I mean, everyone loves Coach Kevin Beard, but him and Sam have a great history, and – He's the only kid, I, as far as his decision, what they do with Coach Kevin Beard, they'll have uh, repercussions as far as a recruit, uh, you know, what school they're going to attend. Sam Bruce is the main one, um, just as far as everything, everything to do with Coach Kevin Beard and his situation. Sam Bruce is basically the main one, um, the more realistic one to keep an eye on as far as that situation. 
What about Zach Moss over there at Hallandale? Um, you know, he's a commit to the University of Miami. Has he expressed any feelings at all uh, with the situation, uh, with, with, with you know, the coach being fired and needing to find a new guy? Yeah, with him, he basically told me when right when all that went down, he's one of the first guys I kind of reached out to, and uh, he said, "Hey, I was open to looking at other schools before this all went down, but now I'm even more into you know getting out and exploring my options." Uh, right now, he has official visit scheduled with Kentucky uh, for January 20th. Uh, he'll be going to Utah. Just actually offered not too long ago on the 27th of December. Then he actually has another one official visit scheduled with Miami. Uh, for January 15th. We'll see Vegas move around a little bit, especially at that time of the year, you know, with the new coaching staff. Just, you never know as far as that date. But uh, right now, I mean, he's always kind of been – he's been committed. He grew up a Gator fan. He loved Florida growing up. Uh, but, you know, watching him on Twitter, I mean, he definitely loves Miami. He wants to stay home. But he told me basically, you know, I was open to seeing other schools before, but now with everything that's gone on, um, basically he's even more open to exploring his options right now. I know Coach Ice Harris, uh, you know, reached out to him not too long ago and kind of – let him know how much of a priority he is for him and how much he wants to coach him. And, you know, that felt good for him to hear that phone call. And um, he's still solid with right. Miami. He's going to explore his options. And uh, he could take an official to Louisville, too, as well. They offered not too long ago. But nothing's been set up with the Cardinals as yet. Yeah, he'll be one to keep an eye on here down the road as uh, I think some schools might see an open opportunity to move in on that there. So uh, Zach Moss is recruiting one to follow. Uh, I haven't heard much here on Robert Burns. I mean, Gulliver's not having a banner year. What can you tell me about Robert Burns running back Gulliver? Yeah, when, so when he committed to Miami, I mean, he loved Miami. He told me he gets to place his brothers, you know, Deontay Mullins and all of them are committed. Uh, it's close to home, and he loves to great – he said they have a great business program at Miami. Um, and the big thing mm-hmm. is Coach Bob has, obviously, who's in charge of all the recruiting over there at Miami now. Um, you know, they've mm-hmm. had a great connection being back at Gulliver Prep, and he played a big role in this commitment as well. Like I said, there's that comfort level at the time. You know, you have the two of his teammates going there. Well, three of his teammates, excuse me, uh, all committed to Miami. And just overall, I mean, he's a kid still saw Miami, like you say. He doesn't really speak too much about recruiting. He's been pretty quiet as far as Al Golden, just his thoughts on that. Uh, but, no, he's mm-hmm. still all in with Miami. He's a kid that grew up loving Miami. Um, you know those kids, Chad. You know, some kids just, you know, some kids look at the coaching staff, but some kids are just all about the U. They just, you know, live yeah. growing up the orange and green stuff. So he's a kid that loves Miami. He's locked in. Uh, but Coach Bias, that's something to keep an eye on because they have a great relationship dating back to high school. He played a big role in this recruitment of bringing him, just feeling that commitment of bringing him to Miami. Uh, but right now he's still on board. He did a great job with the recruiting over there. And I don't really see anything happening yet. Like I said, I think he's a guy I think they should bring back. I think he has a lot of energy on that staff. And I think he's done a great job, too, as far as uh, getting the recruiting efforts and just kind of, spreading what Miami has to offer. But with him, I think Coach Byers has a big role in his recruitment. But he's a kid that loves Miami, you know, through and through. And he was two years out. So uh, right now I see him staying with Miami for quite some time. Okay. Um, let's let's talk about this guy because their season's probably coming close to an end here, probably a week or two left in it. Uh, he's had an amazing season putting up mm-hmm. video game-type numbers in terms of touchdowns. And I'm talking about Coconut Creek quarterback Jakari Harrison, who I think – threw seven touchdowns last week and ran for another, responsible for eight touchdowns. Uh, what's the latest going on with his recruiting? Any new names popping up uh, in, in his hat? Surprisingly not. Not too many new names. I know he's been in Southern Illinois, Elkhorn State, Bethany Cookman, Florida A&M, schools like that have offered. And, um, like you said, he took the video game numbers. I mean, I get a stat machine. I think just in four games he had 15 touchdowns this year, over 100 touchdowns. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, and so that's a kid, man. I know some schools look at his height like 86 one, about six point and a half, one eighty. I know that's kind of 
and some schools back off. You see how that whole thing goes with quarterback height and raising yeah. some people. But with him, I mean, recruiting right. pretty much the same. Not, not too many other schools coming in on right now, and I think they should. I think the Mac schools should definitely take a hard look at him. Uh, I definitely think he could play in that level. I think he shows a great touch out of his ball. It throws a nice clean spiral, too. I just love that kid's a gamer and a, a true leader at the quarterback position for that Coconut Creek squad. But as far as recruiting, he's still locked in. I mean, he has that commitment to Southern Illinois. Um, you know, he's, he's about approaching double-digit offers but lower FCS schools. Uh, but like you said, mm-hmm. man, I mean, that kid, has one has had one heck of a career, over a hundred career touchdowns and that kid's a stat machine and I've had some people say, Well, look who he's throwing to. It doesn't matter. You the arm talent's obvious. I mean like I said those great touch and he's a great leader at the quarterback position. You know, Southern Illinois I, I think overall he's gonna have a very if he sticks with Southern Illinois I think he'll have a very productive uh career at that next level. But uh, I think some Max will give him a hard look, man, with uh you know signed being three months away. I definitely think he can play for some of those some of those schools in that conference. Yeah, going to be interesting there. Well, last question before I let you go. Um, yeah. I don't know if you've had a chance to talk to some recruits about who they think should be the next guy at the University of Miami, if you have. Um, who who are they – what's the name you're hearing the most from recruits? The two names I keep hearing the most are Mario Cristobal, and I know he has a great reputation of recruiting Miami and South Florida. That's the name I keep hearing the most. But um, Actually, excuse me, a lot, but the one name I keep hearing the most is Butch Davis. I mean, that's the, wow. one, that's the one I keep hearing. I've heard that name from – almost double-digit commits. Um, and then I have mm-hmm. one kid today, and we'll probably going back to Chris Ball. I had a, a top recruit on Miami today tell me, he goes, if Chris Ball comes, comes on board, he goes, he would definitely stay in the 305. And that's a big-time wow. recruit, too. I'm not, I'm not going to release his name because, I mean, he told me not to and all that, mm-hmm. but that was a big prospect out of 305. He said, I'm definitely going to go to Miami if he comes. Uh, and some kids say Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, uh, one four-star prospect, said Chip Kelly. But the main two, like uh, Chris <laughs> Ball and uh, Butch Davis, man, there was a few in the uh, – one high profile commit. He actually said he'd like to see Coach Scott stay aboard. Um, he'd like to see wow. him just kind of, yeah, yeah. So Coach Beard, I've heard him, but Coach Coley from I think one other recruit said that. But um, yeah, mm-hmm. the main ones, Cristobal and uh, Butch Davis, is the one I heard more than any other name now. And uh, that's about yeah, just, that, that. just speaks to how connected these kids get to the guys who are recruiting them when they're you know mentioning some of the guys that are on the staff. Uh, and it's also going to be interesting to see just how much. Uh, what these recruits want plays into who gets hired next. I guess that's like a you know it's a story that's going to continue I, I think to develop. Here. Alabama, I know the, the Cristobal thing's been brought up, and I think either way if they go that route. I know Lane Kiffin's been brought up. I didn't have any recruits actually mention Lane Kiffin himself, but if they go that route and try to get some from Bama, it's going to take a big shakeup in recruiting because a lot of these kids from Miami are really high in Alabama. I know Keyshawn Pye Young is a kid that loves Miami deep down, but. Uh, Michigan and Alabama are the two schools out front for him, um, especially Michigan. But, um, yeah, I had some, a lot of kids, Butch Davis, a lot of younger kids too, man. I mean, you see a lot of these younger cats. One kid told me, one commit said, that's all I knew growing up was Butch Davis in Miami. So, I mean, there's wow. a lot of kids that are in favor of him coming back to the U and trying to get them back where they were before. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and like I said, it's going to be uh, an as-the-world-turns with that whole coaching search thing. So you and I will watch it together, and I'll have you on several more times to uh, get us closer to this to this answer that everyone wa- wants and, and needs and has to have down here. And, and Corey, appreciate you coming on and talking on the show with us today. Hey, Chad, thanks for having me, man, and uh, keep up the great work. It's a great show you have going on. Thanks. I appreciate it. Corey Bender from Scout.com. Uh, Talking University of Miami uh, coaching search uh, targets and 
and uh, a lot of things local down here in the University of Miami area. We're going to stay with Scout.com and leave all the way down here in Florida uh, and head out west to talk to Greg Biggins. Greg, how you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? We're just doing the coach search thing like you guys are doing out there. We're, <laughs> we're just we're just mimicking uh, USC out on the west, trying to figure out who's going to be the next guy to walk on the sidelines of this marquee program uh funny i yeah it's funny that both of these schools find themselves with an interim coach right now wouldn't you say i'm i'm curious too i i you know grew up with watching the U. those are some of my favorite teams as a west coast guy so i'm very curious and uh i think football's better when you have miami you know as a relevant top 10 top you know 15 team so hopefully hopefully they hit a home run it'd be good for football i think Yeah, you're, you're you're breaking up a little bit there, but uh, Greg, let me ask you this question: um, You're someone who's followed Miami. You're out there in the West, so you're around USC quite a bit. Can you draw some comparisons for me between USC's program and the University of Miami's program? Yeah, I mean, I think the two things that jump out are obviously tremendous tradition. Uh, you know, USC kind of might go back a little further than you have Miami with those with those teams back in the. Uh, God, back in the day, I, I, for me, you know, those 90 teams are as good as any teams of, of all time. And then you have incredible rich talent bases in their backyard. I say this as a Southern California guy and a, and a West Coast biased guy. The talent in South Florida is like no other. You know, going back to my mm-hmm. days traveling to the Nike football camp, it, it pains me to say it, but I've seen it, you know, every single year when I was traveling. The talent in South Florida, you, you can't compare it. And, and I've been to Texas. I've been to Georgia. Obviously, I live out here. Uh, there's South Florida. I don't know what it is. You take a 17-year-old kid who's 6'1", 220, and a kid from Southern California who's 6'1", 220, and the kid from Florida just mm-hmm. looks different. I, I don't know what it is. Yeah. They, just, they just look different. I don't know, you know, maturity-wise. They just look like they're three or four years older. They're faster, uh, bigger, stronger, all, all that. You know, so, I mean, to me, you know, I think Miami's a place that you can win – Pretty quickly, it's a pretty quick turnaround. Obviously, the quarterback position, I think, right now, with my guy Brad Kaya, you know, they got mm-hmm. that in, in good hands. But yeah, they, they, I think there's enough talent to to make a quick turnaround. Same thing I hear with USC. There's so much ridiculous talent. People go to USC because it's USC. I think a lot of people choose Miami because of the tradition, because it's Miami. So I think there's a lot of correlation mm-hmm. between those two programs. I do want to ask this uh, because it's a big issue down here. It's, you know, the fan base and in particular the student body having to travel from the campus to Sun Life Stadium. USC is another marquee program. I, I, I dare say the, the, the only other program uh, on Miami's level that has that kind of situation. How big a deal is that out west um, that there's not an on-campus stadium and you do have to go to the Coliseum? USC actually has the Coliseum is actually on campus. At UCLA, you have to actually travel for. So, um, you know, watching some of those Miami games last year, I'm shocked that just the attendance looks like it's maybe barely half full. And those are, you know, those are some big games that you're seeing. You know, tons mm-hmm. and tons. It was half full for Clemson season. before before the first touchdown was scored. Yeah, and that's. I mean, USC. Uh, you know, again, pains me to say as a West Coast guy, but, you know, out here it's a very bandwagon, you know, whether it be professional baseball, whether it be, you know, Lakers, Dodgers, Angels, mm-hmm. USC football, UCLA basketball. Those are kind of the traditional schools out here. You know, you go to a UCLA basketball game and it's, it's half empty. And this is, a, you know, a program that has, 
you know, 10, 11 national titles. USC, you know, when things are going good, you know, Coliseum will have 90,000 people. When things aren't going good, you'll have 50,000 people. And it's it just that's just the way the mindset it is out here. There's just so much to do. I, I hate that excuse personally, but there's just mm-hmm. so many other things to do that no one's going to want to go and watch, you know, average to, to below, below average professional baseball, basketball, hockey, college football. They just, they just don't do it. So, uh, you know, even last game, you know, USC hosted Utah, you know, the number three team in the nation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, mm. it had, you know, there's 25,000, 30,000 empty seats there. Yeah. Um, and listen, you know, you don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. But that is the truth of the matter. There's a lot of competition for the entertainment dollar out there out west. So uh, I know that killed the first school I went to, Long Beach State. We just weren't going to be able to hang with all that going on there. And you're, you know, second rate and fighting for a field with Long Beach Poly and, and Long Beach City College. So, uh, that does play a part into it. All right, let's let's talk some actual recruiting here. You'd made mention about how great the athletes are here down in Florida, and we know USC has done a good job in the past coming down here and grabbing top players and having them not only grabbing them but getting them on the field like Aguilar and Williams and and having them produce. What are they on down here in the state of Florida, and can it can it perform to the level of what they've had in the past? Yeah, I, I think they can. Obviously, right now. You know, what I've noticed is it kind of picked up local recruiting and they kind of almost aren't really pushing the, the national recruiting as much. And that includes, obviously, you know, Florida. You know, they're always mm-hmm. going to want to get one or two guys. You know, Leon McQuay right now, you know, is backup safety. He was given an opportunity to start. Quentin Powell's on the roster. You mentioned Leonard Williams. You got Keith Rivers mm-hmm. in the past. You had Mike Williams, great receiver in the past. So they're always going to go back there. And, and obviously a lot of that was due to, you know, Ed Argeron and Lane Kiffin, they both had great ties to South Florida. So uh, this year I, I haven't seen it as much. Um, you know, even even kind of a little bit of last year, you know, I, I think, again, because of probably Orgeron and, and because Lane Kiffin aren't there anymore. But I think they're always going to be going and try to get at least one or two elite kids. Uh, rather right now, I, I think the main focus is kind of more of Southern California West Coast recruiting until they get a new head coach and, and get, get, you know, get going from there, get it rolling. Yeah, um, and, and the reason I asked is because I hadn't heard much about USC being down here in this area. I know they've thrown out a little bit of interest here and there. I knew they were interested some in uh, Keyshawn Pai Young, who we've talked about here on the show, and you know Michigan's big for him now, so I knew they threw threw out an offer there into a couple of other guys, but I haven't heard anything hot and heavy, so I guess that speaks to what you're talking about. Here's a guy that I saw last year that I was really intrigued with, and his team is uh, atop the rankings, and everyone loves Bishop Gorman, and he's a big reason why. It's Tate Martell. What can you tell me about his recruiting, the very exciting quarterback for Bishop Gorman? Yeah, I mean, such a unique talent. I mean, you look at him physically, and he's maybe 5'10", 5'11", on a good day, 180 pounds, but he, I mean, he's a dynamic playmaker. Live arm. People see a kid that size, they don't expect him to, you know, they expect him to kind of be thinking and dunking. He can get the ball on the line, down the field, make, make every throw. Very good athlete. But if he's if he just has to sit in the pocket, he can do that. I mean, he's strong in terms of just being so smart ahead of the game. He processes things extremely fast. He's a great leader. And you have not seen too many guys more competitive than Tate Martell. I've been to camps before, and this guy wants to win every single drill. That's what I love about him. I mean, I think if you're a quarterback, you got to be a great leader, number one. But, man, you got to just have that competitive desire to want to lead, and that's Tate Martell. So, and that, that team is so loaded. You know, they they got five, six guys that are all juniors coming back next year. You know, right now Tate's committed to Texas A&M. You know, he's 
loves Kevin Sumlin and loves that offense and feels like it's a perfect fit for him. But he's got two years to go. You know, he, he kind of surprised the right. people when he chose A&M over USC. Those were kind of the final two. You know, Kevin Sumlin seems to be up for, you know, every head coaching opening, big college job, even NFL <laughs> job. So, you know, right. if, if Sumlin were, were to kind of look around a little bit or even leave, would Tate still stick with A&M? I think it would depend on who they hired. But I know he loves A&M. He's recruiting like crazy for that school right now. So he's definitely 100% locked in right now. But with two years to go, I'd have to say that commitment, you got to just kind of maybe wait and see, you know, if Kevin's there, Coach Sumlin is there when, when Tate's getting ready to sign, I think he goes there. But if someone's not there, I think it's going to be, you know, wide open all over again. Yeah, uh, and, you know, listen, he's to be honest about things, he doesn't really fit the mold of what USC's had at the quarterback traditionally over the years. I mean, he's he's more Pat Hayden than he is Carson Palmer, so I could understand him uh, wanting to go to Texas A&M where you had a guy like Johnny Manziel there that's similar. Uh, kids know what they are, uh, by and large, so mm-hmm. I, I can understand yep. that move, but um, the, you know, Sumlin's name is definitely coming up on any and everything that's out there, so that's uh, probably going to be something big for us to watch. I can't get this guy's last name right, but Olawole, uh he dropped off of UCLA. Uh, what's what's the new move? I'm, I'm smelling interest down in these parts. What can you tell us about the uh, big 25-year-old looking uh, high school <laughs> senior over there for Sarah? Yeah, Betacu. 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 There we go. Betacu. Very easy to butcher that one. So with Wale, just call him Wale, it's the easiest thing to do. Mm-hmm. You know, he committed to UCLA. Uh, just scheme fit is huge for him. You know, he sees himself as that traditional 4-3 outside pass rusher coming off the edge. He doesn't want to play in a 3-4. You know, UCLA kind of plays a 3-4 system, although they do have, you know, an outside backer that kind of is kind of a predominantly a pass rusher, which is how they used Anthony Barr a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. They, they said that's how they want to use how they want to use Wally, but, you know, Wally sees himself kind of more so as that, you know, that 4-3, that Miles Garrett type. I know we keep bringing up A&M all over the place, but, you know, he took a visit to A&M a couple of weeks ago and just fell in love with the place, and he decommitted the following week. So I think right mm-hmm. now A&M is, is extremely involved Florida State. He took a visit there and loved it, and obviously Florida State, you know, traditionally has always had those pass, pass rushers coming off that edge and just flying. So he's very intrigued with them. He wants to take a visit to Florida. I think LSU with mm-hmm. Coach Orgeron is going to get involved pretty soon. They already offered it, but I don't know if they're pushing quite as hard as they will now that he's decommitted mm-hmm. from UCLA. And then watch out for USC locally. You know, obviously Sarah High School has sent countless players to USC. You know, Robert Woods, Marquise Lee, and Dory Jackson. You know, they've got a ton of guys at USC from Sarah High School. They just didn't, He just mm-hmm. didn't like that offense. Or excuse me, he didn't like the defense outfit. They were also a 3-4, and he just kind of felt like UCLA's defense fit him better, but you say, you know, USC hires a new head coach and brings in a, you know, a 4-3 scheme that he's comfortable with, I would not be shocked at all if he decides to stay local and goes to USC instead of UCLA. But right now I think he is very intrigued by the SEC and he has told me, man, that's where, that's where all the defensive ends come out of to the NFL draft. That's mm-hmm. his big goal. And right now that's uh, I think he's leaning towards some of those SEC schools. You know, it's unfortunate that he decommitted from UCLA. I said this last week when UCLA was on national television, and, you know, I was a closet UCLA fan for a little bit while I was out on the West Coast, and my cousin played at UCLA. And I said, you can name UCLA uh, quarterbacks, you can name the running backs, you can name wide receivers, linebackers, DBs. You just never had monster defensive linemen or a monster defensive line crew at any one time at UCLA and I just thought 
if they ever would you know, be able to put something like that together, it might just change the whole course of the UCLA football program, get people <laughs> to quit calling them soft. Because, you know, if you've yeah. got a dominant defensive line, it's hard for anyone to just call you soft if they're up front kicking, oh, kicking rear end. So um, yeah. what do they have going on there at that position? Can, uh, can they change my thoughts on that with any of the guys that they're bringing in? Can they put some guys together and, and just be, uh, you know, have a monster defensive line at UCLA? Are they working on that? They are they are working on it. I mean, Jim Moore is an NFL guy, and, and like you said, you went up front on both sides of the line. That's how you win football games. So Mora knows that, and they've been recruiting a ton of bodies, and they got some guys. I mean, Kenny Clark, you know, nose guard, he'll be a first round pick. I mean, he's you know Eddie Banner does was a five star mm-hmm. recruit, but he's out this year with the torn ACL. You know, beginning of the year when they were ranked so so highly, you know, they had Kenny Clark in the middle and Eddie Banner does next to him, and they actually have some dudes now. You know, the problem is they just don't have the depth. And I think I said it before on your on your show. You know, problem is at West Coast out here, we just don't have those guys. And, you know, even back when right. USC was rolling, they were getting guys from out of the region, and it's hard to do that. But, you know, in the South, shoot, you guys got 20 guys that are, are monsters up front. Out West Coast, you get one or two guys, and that's it. So it's kind of hard to find those guys. Right now, again, UCLA is trying. Uh, they have some young talent. Do they have guys that you could say, man, that guy's the next, I don't know, Warren Sapp, or that, that guy looks mm-hmm. like he's, you know, the next Miles Garrett. I don't see if they ha- they don't think they have those guys in the program right now, but no more is mm-hmm. definitely making it a priority and trying to bulk up that defensive line. I thought that was the biggest uh, part of his success, Pete Carroll, when he came to USC, was attacking that part, uh, getting defensive linemen, and and changing that whole mindset. And I know UCLA has come down into Florida to grab some recruits, but they've they've grabbed defensive backs and things like that. Uh, I think if they're going to get those, they got to come down south. They got to come into Georgia and they got to come into Florida and 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 convince guys to come out to UCLA. And you know, I joked with a friend of mine who's also from Florida but has a lot of West Coast ties. Um, Man, there's a whole bunch of reasons to go to UCLA. You're, you, I mean, you go on a campus and you go, you know, make your moves around the UCLA campus and the surrounding areas. I mean, who wouldn't want to go there? So, I don't know. I mean, do they need to bring it's me on staff sell. to let them know it's this or what? Easy, that, dude, if they had you on staff, they'd probably be cleaning <sighs> up right now when it comes to recruiting out there. No, I mean, you nailed it. It's an easy place. Some people say it's actually an easier place to sell than even USC because, you know, you kind of think been, you've been on both campuses. You know, UCLA is a little bit more, you know, I don't want to be like, I don't want to insult USC, but UCLA is a little nicer, mm-hmm. right? It's mm-hmm. the surrounding area is a little, a little bit better. They don't have the tradition that USC has, but probably, right. uh, you know, it's an easy place to sell. You know, like, the problem is, you know, if you're from Georgia, you know, typically you want to go to Georgia. You know, if you're from, mm-hmm. or you want to go to Bama, or you want to go to LSU, and, and those guys, those schools have done such a great job developing an NFL talent that, you know, it takes a special kid to want to leave home and go play in the Pac-12 for a program they don't really know a whole lot about. There's no support circle. There's no family out there. Mm-hmm. So it's, a, it's definitely a hard sell. Pete Carroll could do it because he was Pete Carroll, but and he was he was mm-hmm. unique. There's only one Pete Carroll. I think Jim Moore needs to bring in Rick Patino. He probably could get that done, huh? What do you think? <laughs> you know what's so funny about that? I couldn't that? resist. I, mean, I feel bad for Patino. I, I know what he did was wrong, but, shoot, I think you and I both know that's not the only school or the only sport where they're bringing in, you know, some, some escorts. I've talked to kids who trip to Ivy oh, schools I know. and they said, you know what I'm saying? They, so, yeah, it, it's a funny joke, but, man, I, I think he got caught doing what a lot of other people are doing too. Yeah, well, listen, you know, it's big, big time. college is big-time sports, and it's almost like you got to do what you got to do out there. Well, listen, man, this was a fun talk. 
Uh, always appreciate you coming on, man. Thanks for coming on with us. You too. Anytime. Thanks, Chad. All right. Greg Biggins from Scout.com covering the West Coast. Uh, talking a little bit USC, UCLA, and uh, what either one of those schools are trying to do down here in the state of Florida uh, as they've come down in the past and grab a couple of players. I'm going to take a quick break when I come back. The final segment of the Recruiting Roundtable show here on the Gridiron Studs Show. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. You want the truth? Well, here it is. Speed kills, and in no other sport is that true than in football. Speed gets you to the end zone. Speed gets you to the ball carrier. Speed makes you a winner. Do you want championship-type speed? Do you want speed that kills? Then Complete Speed is what you need. Complete Speed is turning athletes into game breakers. With quick and easy methods that are easy to understand, Complete Speed can shave time off your 40-yard dash, make you quicker and more explosive. They have a clear progression, drills, and exercises, along with specific instructions. They also have proven sample workouts and programs for you, the individual, or for you, the coach. Speed is what you need, so hurry now and check out Complete Speed. Just go to gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed. That's gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed for more information right now. To all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit gridironstuds.com today. We've got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. Gridironstuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up and let yourself be seen. We're back here for the final segment of the Wednesday Recruiting Roundtable Show. Gridiron Stud Show here. Um, listen, a couple of things going on. How about Paul Feinbaum and Danny Cannell? I think you guys have heard it. If you're a Canes fan, it's all that's been talked about here in the last couple of days. Feinbaum and Cannell trying to you know, bury the University of Miami. Very self-serving on the part. Just a snippet of what uh, Feinbaum had to say, and he had a lot to say about the University of Miami. Here's a quote. I think Miami is just an absolutely terrible job. I think this program is bankrupt. I think it has a delusional fan base, thinking this is the 80s and the 90s and maybe even the early part of the new millennium. I don't get it. I don't know why any coach in their right mind would want this job. You know, in the final... 15 minutes that I'm going to be on here. If anyone wants to call and share their thoughts on that, I'd be more than happy to discuss that with you. The number to call is 347-633-9365. Currently searching. I, I heard Cannell's um, comments, but looking to find the actual quotes because, you know, it's important to be uh, correct on the quotes. You know, go with facts and stuff like that. Not that Danny has many. And, you know, Danny is a guy who uh, my senior year came down here and the uh, for Florida State as a quarterback for Florida State. 
And they were favorites, four-point favorites, coming into the Orange Bowl my senior year. Don't understand how that happened. But uh, he was handing out the interceptions on that night like Almond Joys on a Halloween night. He must have thrown four or five of those things. So I totally get Danny Cannell wanting the University of Miami program to die. This just, listen, even though we are 14 years removed from a national championship, 13 years removed from being in the game, there's still a healthy fear. Because people know down here at any moment, you can go round up the talent and you get the right coach in here that understands what needs to go on and you get a little more cooperation from the administration. And this thing's a powder keg ready ready to blow. People know that. But it's not easy to find the proper guy for this next for you know, for the job. That's the biggest problem. People think they know who should be in here, but it's not that easy. And uh, you know, for for anyone listening to me right now, you can check out couple of articles that I've written that are up right now on gridironstuds.com. Now, one is uh, five five things the next University of Miami coach needs to be. Uh, articles gotten around quite a bit, something I, I truly believe deeply in, something I've researched, something I've uh, paid attention to. So you can go to gridironstuds.com right now. Uh, right now, the site is redirecting to the blog as we're doing some work on the site, making making some moves. So it'll take you right there, and it's the top article as of right now. Five things the next University of Miami coach has to be. You'll find that article very interesting. And then the article below it, Will We Ever Dance Again? The Past, the Current, and the Future of the Miami Hurricanes, where I kind of talk about where things were, why we were able to be successful, and how the tide has turned, the reasons and the factors that have led to the to where we are now, which is very far removed from 2001 and 1991 and 89 and 87 and 83. So if you're a hardcore University of Miami Hurricanes fan or a casual University of Miami Hurricanes fan or a fan of college football who also believes, like, like I do, not only about the University of Miami but about other schools like Notre Dame and USC and you know, your traditional places like that. College football is better off when these schools are at the top or doing well. And uh, I even had a Notre Dame fan call the show on Monday, I believe it was, saying, hey, listen, I'm a Notre Dame fan. We did the whole Catholics versus convicts thing. But I also believe that college football is a whole lot better off when the University of Miami is uh, relevant and in the mix. But again, Danny Cannell, Paul Feinbaum, I know there's a big shock factor thing you've got to do over there at ESPN. Everyone's into clickbait. Every you know, People know nowadays, media outlets and even fans on social media know you can get a lot of clap, you can get a lot of attention by saying something outrageous. So I think that's something along the lines that Feinbaum did there. I think Cannell really would just like to see the University of Miami go awake. Because as long as we're alive, there's always a chance we could rise back up and get to pounding Florida State all over again the way we pounded the hell out of Danny Cannell and the Florida State Seminoles in 1994 when they strolled down here. His leading receiver that night was someone that played for us because he was finding us. We were wide open all night, and he was hitting us between the eyes. 
So I don't know about Danny Cannell playing the role of trying to get attention. I just think that's he truly honestly believes that he would like the University of Miami to go away. Because he thinks that means Florida State's just going to be at the top of college football forever. I didn't really get any quotes from Danny Cannell uh, on the Georgia Tech game. Did anyone hear anything? Does he have any quotes on that? No? Nothing? Yeah. He could put the shut to the up. So that's all the time I'm going to give them. Hey, listen, uh, class of 2016, we're rolling out of October. The regular season's coming to an end. We're rolling into November. Time's running out on you. I hate to use those terms. I hate to put it in those terms. Um, You better have taken the ACT or SAT, and if not, you better have signed up for it. You better have uh, registered with the clearinghouse. If you haven't done that, do it now. You don't have a Division One offer at this point. You gotta, you're gonna have to give up your uh, Division One or bust mentality. Okay, you're gonna have to put that to bed and start looking at FCS. Start looking at Division Two, because the trick here is to keep your your football career going. Keep playing. If you go all out on this FBS thing, this Power Five thing, and it doesn't happen for you, and you try and get in on the mad rush really late in the recruiting cycle, you could find yourself on the outside looking in. I see it every year. Kids end up very frustrated, and they stay in the neighborhood, and then they, you know, the whole football dream dies. Or you get a guy who's qualified going to a junior college, and you're around. It just doesn't end up working out for you. So start throwing out some feelers to FCS schools, Division II schools. There's some pretty damn good FCS programs out there. There's some FCS programs out there that can go out and punch FBS schools in the face. College football's talent is spreading out. We're getting some parity in college football, and that that even trickles down into FCS. Still great football. And let me tell you something, the NFL will find you there. They'll find you in the FCS school. They'll find you in a Division II school. Don't fool yourself. Don't kid yourself. They'll find you in a Division III school if they have to. Look around. Check out uh, where some of these guys in the NFL have come from. Still good football. So, again, you don't have a Division I FBS Power 5 offer right now. Start looking into FCS and Division II schools. If you need some assistance with that, always here to help. Send an email to cwilson at gridironstuds.com. Again, that's cwilson at gridironstuds.com. We'll educate you on the uh, recruiting process and let you know about some of the services that we offer that can help you. And that's not just 2016 kids. 2017 kids, get your act together as well. You don't want to find yourself um, in the wrong pair of shoes when your turn comes around next October. Set yourself up nicely. Same thing for 2018. Get the ball rolling early. You'll be happy that you did because not doing anything and saving money can get very expensive for you. So, again, um, you can reach me, C. Wilson at gridironstuds.com, to discuss uh, some recruiting matters and your particular recruiting situation and what can be done, what needs to be done, what could be done there. All right, so I hope you guys enjoyed the show today. I was very happy to get Matt Porter on from uh, the Palm Beach Post to talk about the University of Miami coaching search. I'd been after the guy for a while. He does a very good job reporting on the University of Miami Hurricanes. He came on and shared some pretty interesting information about the search, who people want, what are the possibilities, what are the rumors, talked about that. And uh, I want to thank all of my recruiting reporters that came on today, Andrew Spivey from GatorCountry.com to talk Florida football, Woody Womack from Rivals.com, 
Ryan Bartow from 247 Sports, Corey Bender from Scout.com, and Greg Biggins from Scout.com. Appreciate them all coming on and uh, making this a great show. Really enjoy doing these Wednesday night shows. Programming announcement, I'm back on tomorrow. 10 a.m. is my normal time. So if you're listening to us for the first time, the uh, Gridiron Stud Show comes on weekdays at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. You can visit gridironstudshow.com to get the uh, live link when we're on and also listen to any of the archives. So I'm on again tomorrow talking college and NFL football, and we'll have uh, the reporters on from the University of Florida and Florida State to talk uh, football on that end. Florida has a big game coming up against Georgia-Florida State, trying to get over the whole Georgia Tech thing when they take on Syracuse, so that'll be an interesting interview. And again, Football Friday, don't ever want to miss that. Football Friday, we get you set up for high school, college, and NFL football. My co-host, Emil Calamino, joins me, and we break down all of the matchups in college and NFL football, and we give you our picks. We've been doing damn good, so you don't want to miss that. That's also 10 a.m. on Friday. So we want to thank you for tuning in tonight and listening to the Recruiting Roundtable. Enjoy the rest of your night, and see you tomorrow. recruits out there. You want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. we got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up and let yourself be seen.